My name is Tina, and I am the creator of the podcast and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, our homesteading journey, and just all things life with you. This is a space where we are going to get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad you're here, and my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast show. I'm so glad you're here. It's been a little bit, so I, goodness gracious, it's such a busy season right now. Um, At the time of this recording, it is like the end of summer for us, and this is always such a busy season with the garden and all the vegetables and the preserving here on the homestead. Um, And we're also gearing up for our next homeschool year. Parker's going to be going into fourth grade, and so we've kind of been organizing and getting our curriculum all set and all that good stuff. And some of you might know if you follow me over on my YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead, we are also uh, buying a cabin in Alaska. So Joe retires in a year from the military, and we've been contemplating where we wanted to retire. Um, and while there was a couple states that were contenders, Alaska uh, was the one that won. So we have been stationed in Alaska a couple times with the military. Parker was born there, and we just absolutely love the state. Um, so we've decided to go back for good. So as you can imagine, there is a lot that comes along with that. We are uh, getting the Virginia house ready as we will be listing this house on the market next year. Um, And just kind of cleaning out, downsizing our cabin in Alaska is significantly smaller than what we have down here in Virginia. So lots to do. It's been keeping us super busy. But without further ado, I have been missing you guys here on the podcast and felt the the nudge from the Lord to kind of jump on here and uh, chat with you guys a little bit today about something that is a little bit of a... um, it might be a hard topic to talk about. And so I want to first give a disclaimer that this podcast, I this show today, I am going to be very just raw and real with my thoughts and feelings and even terminology, as you can imagine from the title of this podcast. So this is your warning. If you have little ears in the room anywhere near you, you might want to listen to this podcast in private. <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to talk about this topic um, other than the fact that I think it's something that needs to be talked about, is this is something that recently has come up in my own home, as you can imagine, because I have children, right? My daughter Lexi is 19 and Parker is actually going to be nine years old on Saturday. So in just two days, my baby boy is going to be nine. And this topic um, has come up recently. So I just wanted to share with you guys that experience and the way that we handled it And maybe um, that will help you and offer you some encouragement as well, navigating through these things with your children. And I'm by no means a expert, you guys. I'm just a mama sitting over here um, talking into a microphone that's going through the ebbs and flows of mothering every day just like you guys are. So, um, But I do want to share my experiences because maybe it could help somebody out there that's kind of like, hmm, I'm faced with this and I don't really know how to handle it. As I said, Parker, let's just say he's nine, right? Because he'll be nine in a couple days. Um, I noticed for probably the last three or four months, um, something a little different about 
Parker. And when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does is come and get his morning cuddles. Like he comes to me before he even goes to the bathroom or does anything, comes straight out of his room, usually hops up in my lap on the couch or if I'm out on the rocking chair on the front porch or wherever I'm at and just cuddles with me. And we, you know, I say my good mornings, I give him kisses and do the mom thing. And the last few months, you guys, I noticed um, I felt something, okay? You guys all know what I'm talking about, or I don't need to spell it out for you, but I felt something um, a little bit harder uh, in his pants a couple of times. Nothing crazy, but I felt it, um, and I just kind of was like, oh, buddy, you need to go potty? Like, because he would, you know, like I said, he comes straight to me before he even goes to the bathroom, um, and just left it at that. Well, it got me to thinking, and I'm like, okay, so obviously this is something that he is starting to experience. I don't know, I don't know on what level or how often, but this is something that is starting to happen in his body and it definitely warrants a conversation. So I went to Joe and I was just chatting with him about this and um, we were looking up some data, some research and statistics. And so I wanted to share with you guys uh, just a couple things that I got from the pediatricgroup.com. Now, I do not uh, advocate for this website simply because they encourage um, self-pleasing and masturbation and self-touch and all of these things. And they talk about how it can feel good and it's this, and they totally encourage it. I take the completely opposite stance, as you guys could imagine, if you've listened to any of my podcasts so far. Um, and I wanna say that if you are not a Christian and you do not go by the principles of the Bible and the teachings of Jesus um, in the Bible, then you may not agree with me on this stance and that's okay. Uh, but this is my stance and this is my podcast, so I'm going to share with you guys my thoughts and you can take it for uh, what it's worth. So on this website, and I found this to be the same on almost every website that I went to, it says the average age that boys start puberty is around 11 and a half years old. However, it can begin anywhere between 9 and 15 years. The physical changes usually take 3 to 4 years to be completed. Um, and it, then it goes into the changes that take effect in their body. Um, you know, for boys, their shoulders start to get broader. Their voices might start to change. They're going to start growing hair, all these things, right? Um, and then, of course, for your, our young ladies, um, they're going to start growing breasts. They're going to start growing hair. Uh, both may experience acne, all these things. Well, one of the things with boys is they will start to experience erections. And this is something that... Um, is just going to happen, you guys. This is a part of life, and we've all been there, right? Whether we're male or female, we've all gone through that phase in our life. And it's really important for me to make sure that um, Parker understands what's happening to his body so that he's, one, not afraid of it, two, doesn't think he's weird, and three, I never want him to ever feel ashamed or dirty or weird or like there's something wrong with him because this is not weird. This is actually normal and this is the way that God built our bodies. So uh, Joe and I, like I said, we're doing some research and we came to the determination that, okay, so Parker has probably been experiencing this for um, 
I don't know, I'd say maybe six months to a year is my guess. And uh, it was time for us to have a talk. And Joe's like, well, how are we going to talk to him about it? And I'm like, I don't know. I was really thinking about that, you guys, because it's like you cannot have this conversation. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, boys just because I'm talking about my experience with Parker. But this is the same for whether you have a daughter or a son. These conversations need to happen. Um, but you just you can't have this conversation without having a little bit of courage to say the difficult things and use the terminology that might be kind of silly, right? And I've talked to Parker before and I've raised both my children to know that we don't call things by funny terms. We don't call, you know, our penis a wanker or a wiener or uh, whatever. You know, we all have these funky terms. You guys, they need to understand what the real terminology is for their biological parts. That's just something that they need to know. And they need to know that it's not something to be afraid of talking about or to feel weird saying because that's that's just fact. I mean, it is what it is, right? So I was like, how in the heck am I going to bring this up to him and talk to him without? Because obviously he's going to do the like, mom, right? But it doesn't matter, you guys, because I've told you this before and I'm going to say it again. If we do not seize these opportunities to teach our children what they need to know, they're going to seek that from somewhere else. And in the culture that we're living in today, my goodness, you do not want them learning from anywhere else but from you at home and from the word of God. That is just like period. (laughs) Um, And trust me when I say there are plenty of sickos out there that are willing to teach your children the wrong ways. And what does the Lord tell us in the Bible? It is our job. We have been charged with teaching and guiding and bringing up our children in the way of the Lord, morning, noon, and night. That's not anybody else's responsibility, you guys. It's not the school's responsibility. It's not the Sunday school teacher at church's responsibility. It's not their uncle. It's not their friend next door. It's your job. And sometimes it's really hard, right? But sometimes parenting is hard. So we just got to get over that and we just got to bite the bullet and we got to do it. So About a week or two went by after Joe and I had this conversation and it's kind of, you know, weighing on my mind. When am I going to have this talk with Parker? Well, then the topic just kind of came up on its own and it, it was an open door for me to have this conversation with him. And I'll tell you guys, a lot of people say, well, how do you know, like, when is the right time to talk to your children? When one surefire way to know is when they start asking questions. If they are asking you questions, you guys, whether it be about sex, their anatomy as a boy or a girl, all this craziness in our culture, this LGBTQ movement, the transgenderism, all this craziness, right? If they're asking you questions, that means they're ready to know the answer. That's my stance on it because they're asking you. And if they're asking you, that means that they're curious and they've already heard the term somewhere else or they wouldn't be asking you about it, right? So go ahead and let them keep wondering because they're going to go and find the information somewhere else and it may not be accurate and it may not be biblical information that they're getting. So you must feed them. You must feed them the right information. So I was doing the dishes one night after dinner and Parker has um, become friends with a little girl down the street. Her name is um, 
Maddie. She is super adorable. She's 11, but she is a young 11. You know what I'm saying? Like she's young in her mind. She's not too mature for him. You can tell that her parents are raising her right um, by the way she dresses, by the way she carries herself. Um, she's a little bit of a tomboy, which Parker loves, right? Because they ride bikes and they play Nerf guns and they catch bullfrogs together. And he has just been having a blast with this sweet girl down the street. They've developed a beautiful friendship. So I'm doing dishes the other night and Parker says to me, hey mom, um, so maybe sometime you can talk to Maddie's mom and dad and maybe me and Maddie can have a sleepover right? And I'm doing dishes and I'm like, oh yeah, nobody. I'm thinking probably not. Right. So I told him, I said, well, Parker, here's the thing. You're a boy and Maddie is a girl. So while I am completely 100% comfortable with a sleepover, like if she was at our house, because I know I would be diligent in ensuring things were done appropriately, right? Like they're not sleeping in the same room. Maybe make a little tent for Maddie in the living room or, you know, making sure they're using the bathroom separately. Like all those things, right? Just keeping things appropriate. Um, I said, Maddie's mom and dad might not be 100% comfortable with that. I was like, does that make sense? Because you're a boy and she's a girl. And sometimes people might feel a little weird about that. Even though you guys aren't older, you're still young. It might be looked at as a little inappropriate at your guys's age. And he looked at me, you guys, and he said, well, I mean, mom, it wouldn't even work if we did anything anyway, right? I mean, it wouldn't work, right, mom? And I'm sitting there, y'all, with my dish sponge in my hand. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Lord, all right, all right, all right. I feel the nudge, you open the door. Uh, I think Joe is actually outside mowing the lawn or something. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna just seize the opportunity. He asked the question, he opened the door, Lexi wasn't home, Joe was mowing the yard, I had a good glass of red wine, <laughs> and I said, let me sit down with my son and just go ahead and knock this out. And that's just how I've always been with my kids, you guys. I'm like super open with them, um, and my mom was always that way with me too. So anyway, and I'll tell you, after you do it, you feel much better. After you've had that conversation, you guys, you'll feel much better and it gets easier and easier the more you do it. And you start kind of gaining this confidence as a mother, like, you know what? Yeah, I can do this. Like I can teach my children these things because I know the biblical um, dynamics of all of it. And I can really lay this out for them. So you're going to gain confidence in that the more you do it too. I promise it's not always super hard. <laughs> um, it is a little awkward, but so I sat down with, uh, Parker and I said, you know what, Parker, it's funny that you ask that question. Let's have a little talk. Okay. This is a talk that I've been meaning to have with you for a little bit. And he kind of looks at me and he's like, okay. And you know what, you guys, I just jumped right into it. And this is the part of the podcast where I'm just going to be really blunt with the terminology I used and what I said, because um, this is pretty much how it went down. And um, I told him that the reality is every person is different as far as how their body develops in puberty and when they can perform and do certain things, right? And I said, but the reality is possibly it could work. It could work. Um, and I asked him, I said, have you noticed sometimes like your, your penis might get a little hard? And he's like, he kind of looks at me and he's like, yeah, like sometimes in the morning, it's like, 
it's been getting like that, mom. Like, why does it get like that? And he's like, usually after I go pee, it goes away. And I'm like, okay. And the important thing, you guys, is for me not to be like, oh, really? Oh my God. And freak out, right? Like, I'm just like, okay, yeah. I was like, I assumed that that was kind of happening already. And I was like, you know what that means, Parker? That means you're turning into a man. And you guys, I kind of tried to make it a good thing, an exciting thing, because this is not bad. This isn't something he needs to be embarrassed or ashamed about or feel dirty about. And it's naturally already something that they'll keep to themselves because it has to do with their private parts, right? So they're not going to come out the first time and be like, oh my gosh, mom, I woke up with the heart on today. <laughs> That's not how it's going to go down. They're going to be kind of like weirded out by it. Like, whoa, what's happening? Why am I feeling like this? And I told him, I was like, you know what, Parker? God uh, made your penis to get hard like that so that you one day can grow up and get married and have a wife and have sex with her and get her pregnant and have babies. Because, and then we go back to Genesis and I talked to him about how God says, be fruitful and multiply. We are here on this earth for one reason and one reason only. We are here to be fruitful and multiply and go out and witness and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring as many people to the Lord as we possibly can while we're here. Um, so this whole thing about the penis getting hard is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, and that's just kind of the way I explained it to him. Now, Parker knows what sex is, right? He he knows what quote unquote mating is. We live on a little homestead. So he's seen enough animals do the deed and then oop, nine months later out pops a baby or oop, there's an egg and it's going to hatch and it's fertilized and this is why it's fertilized. So he understands that in order to incubate an egg and have a chick, you need a rooster to fertilize it. Like he understands these concepts because we live on the homestead. Um, he, he knows that a man gets a woman pregnant. He knows that the penis produces sperm. These are conversations that we've had before, um, but we've never talked about actual sex. How does that happen? The man doesn't magically touch his penis on the woman's body and she gets pregnant. That's not how it happens. And so this evening on the at the kitchen table is when we had that discussion. Um, and so we talked about, you know, why it gets hard. This increased blood flow, um, testosterone, the male hormone plays a big part in that. We talked about all these things. We talked about the terms. Sometimes it's called a hard-on. Sometimes it's called a boner. Sometimes it's called the morning wood. And he's like, the morning wood? Why is it called that? I'm like, well, what happens lately when you wake up in the morning? And he's like, mm, sometimes my penis is hard. I'm like, okay, when you touch a piece of wood, what does it feel like? It's hard. I'm like, and he kind of looked at me right when he said it. And he's like, oh, I get it. So understanding the terminology, even um, the actual scientific terminology in street lingo, right, is important too. So that way, if he's out and about or he's um, at a homeschool group or he's around the kids at the park and he hears someone say something, he'll know what that is. And he'll be like, oh, I know what that is because my mom talked to me about that, right? So in addition, you guys, to talking about his anatomy as a young boy and why his body is starting to go through these changes and that's the way God made him and this is good and it's nothing to be embarrassed about, I also really felt the need to take it a step further and talk to him about, okay, you've got a heart on, now what do you do with it? That's the question that needs to be talked about. Because in the culture, 
you've got these public schools and everybody around them teaching them to start touching themselves, to start pleasing themselves. It's okay to touch it. It feels good, right? Um, it's, it's okay to masturbate. It's okay to self-please. They are teaching children as young as kindergarten and first grade how to masturbate. And if you guys don't believe me and you think I'm making this up, go look it up. And I can get heated over this. I can get so heated over this topic because it is just vile and it's disgusting that the public school system and the government thinks that it's their job to educate our children on their sexuality. It's disgusting. They want to they wanna ixname math and English and reading as racist and all this craziness and not want to teach the basic curriculums, but then they want to jump in there and teach our children that all white people are racist and all black people are oppressed and how to masturbate. And oh, by the way, you can wake up every day and choose your gender. It's nothing but filth. It's garbage. It's just sickening to me, you guys. So I need Parker to know God's design for sex, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, God's design for sex is between a husband and a wife. God's design for sex is not for a a man and a woman who are not married to just go and have a one night stand. That is not God's design for sex. In fact, that is sinful, according to the Lord. And in my opinion, it's also sinful to masturbate. God did not create us to do the things that we do to do them by ourselves. That's not why he created the penis to get hard, okay? That's not why he created the penis to ejaculate and produce sperm. That's not why he gave the female the vagina. They go hand in hand, right? They go together. You got it any, you got it outie. Whoop, they plug the hole. There you go. It was, made, it was meant to be, <laughs> That was God's design. There's a reason that it works the way it works. So if you go back um, and look at my podcast about pornography, I will link that uh, podcast in the show notes for today's show if you did not get to listen to that. I share mine and Joe's story about pornography and masturbation. We have struggled with that extensively. Um, for our entire marriage. We're coming up on 22 years married this Saturday. Um, and Joe has struggled with that our entire marriage. And because of that, I have struggled with the trauma of being the wife married to somebody addicted to pornography and masturbation. And you guys, I'm not ashamed to talk about that. And neither is Joe. And he, he knows that I'm sharing these things on this podcast. We had a very clear conversation before I started this podcast. Um, and we both know that as hard as it is to talk about, um, as painful it is, as it is to talk about, transparency is so important. And with these topics, Satan would love nothing more than for us to be ashamed and be embarrassed so that we're quiet. He wants to zip our mouth shut so that everybody else out there that's going through these things feels like they're alone and there's nobody else out there like me, so there must be something wrong with me when that's just not the case. Nobody's perfect, you guys. I don't care what it looks like on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Nobody's life is perfect. Everybody is struggling, whether it's alcohol addiction, adultery, pornography, gambling. I mean, we were born sinners, you guys. We were, we were born into this world as sinners. 
So just remember that when you're looking at social media, uh, nobody's life is what it seems. So I told Parker, um, and this was kind of a, I had to be very careful the way that we talked about, okay, now what do you do with your penis when it gets hard? Because here's the thing, you guys, there may come a time where my son is laying in bed in the morning or taking a shower at, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old and begins to touch himself and goes, oh, hmm, that feels good. And maybe he keeps going. And we all know what happens if he keeps going, right? So the one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to shame him in a way that makes him feel like he is dirty and there is no coming back from that. Does that make sense? Because I would venture to say that we have all gone down that road at least once, if not more. Okay, so um, what do you do with that is the question. So when I went into this topic with Parker about what to do with it, I really, really, really leaned on the word of God and God's design for sex. And I told him, you know, Parker, if if you have a heart on and you touch it and you continue to touch it, it will feel good. And then you will have something happen. Um, now, I know that there's a point where uh, they can ejaculate and there may not be sperm in there yet because they're not mature enough, but they can still ejaculate. Um, and I discussed that with him and I told him that is meant to be for his future wife. That's not meant to be something that he does by himself. And I told him, I said, the culture will have you believe that it's okay to touch yourself and to go ahead and ejaculate. And you've got these kids out there, you guys, that are doing this 8, 9, 10, 11 times a day. I'm not kidding you. These young children already addicted to masturbating. And then that turns into pornography. All these kids on these devices, all these kids with no filters, no parental supervision, nothing. That is that is like the perfect sin that Satan is entrapping people with, not just boys, but girls. So this is a conversation that you need to have with your girls as well. Now, the percentages are higher for men than it is for women, but there are a lot of women and girls out there that are masturbating and addicted to porn as well. So... I told Parker that that is something that is to be reserved for him and his wife. And I also told him, look, if you end up doing something one day, I want you to know that you're not a terrible person. You're not disgusting. You can always come talk to me or your dad about it because you know what? We've done it too. That's really important, you guys, is for them to know that we've been there too because we all have. Satan would love nothing more for them to be reclusive about this and not feel that they can talk to somebody. I explained to him the importance of repentance, coming to the Lord and asking the Lord for forgiveness for indulging in that feeling and not having the self-control to stop. And we also talked about filling that time with something more productive if you're feeling that way, if you're getting aroused, you're getting a hard on, you're starting to feel that little tingly feeling like you want to touch it or keep going or doing this and doing that, you need to remove yourself from the environment. Whatever it is, whether you're watching TV and you saw something that piqued your arousal, whether you're 
at the beach and you see someone in a bathing suit, whether you're just laying in bed or you just woke up, it doesn't matter. If you're in that situation, the best thing you can do is get out of it. Turn off the TV, go ride your bike. Go play in the backyard, go catch frogs, go read a book. Whatever you have to do to get your mind off of it, that's what you do. And you guys, I'm going to link this in this podcast also because I think it's relevant to this topic. There is a book, and I've talked about this a long time ago uh, on my old Facebook page I used to have that I don't have anymore. I did a live video. There's a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. You guys, if you don't know how to talk to your kids about pornography and the things that are going on in this world, get this book. It's on Amazon, super cheap. Um, And it is just, it's got pictures in it, appropriate pictures, right? It's really a story of a mom that's discussing things with her son and talking to them about pornography and good pictures and bad pictures and what to do with that. So I really encourage you to get that book because I read that book to Parker probably four years ago. Yes, very young. I started reading these things to him so that he knew if you're playing on mommy's phone and an ad pops up and it's inappropriate, you X out of it and you come tell somebody. Like these are things we have to prepare them, you guys. We have to arm them with the knowledge to know what to do so that they don't get ensnared in this disgusting addiction. So Being that we read that book and Parker's already aware of things that are appropriate or inappropriate or the feelings he might have, um, I can go back and tell him, you know, like, remember in the book when we read about the two parts of your brain, right? You've got the feeling part of your brain and then you've got the decision part of your brain. Um, Sometimes the decision-making part of your brain needs to be strong enough to trump the feeling side of your brain. So even though you're feeling a certain way or something feels good or you want to keep going, you've got to have the self-control to have your decision-making brain come in and say, oh, nope, I'm going to get up out of this bed and I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go outside and ride my bike. Or "Mm, this, you know, ad on the TV is making me feel weird. I need to just turn the TV off. I mean, these are things that they need to know how to do. They've got to be armed with what do you do now? Now, I want to read something to you guys from this pediatric group website that I was telling you about. And this is why I do not necessarily agree with this thought process on puberty, masturbation, pornography, any of it. Um, Also, because we've struggled with that and it's almost destroyed my marriage over and over and over again through the course of 22 years. So I know firsthand the havoc that it can wreak on your family. Um, So they say, what about masturbation? Masturbating is touching the penis so that it becomes erect and then releases semen, in quotes, ejaculation. It feels good and can release tension. By the early to middle part of puberty, many boys start masturbating. Boys may masturbate several times a day, once a month, or not at all. It is a natural way to explore your body and is quite normal. People often joke about it, but it is important to know that there are no bad things that happen from masturbating. Okay, pause. No bad things that can happen from masturbating. (laughs) First of all, there are bad things that can happen from masturbating. Okay, let me share with you guys. Joe and I are um, in therapy right now. We've been working with a uh, sexual addiction counselor. Um, He's been amazing. The things that he's you know, walked me and Joe through and helped us implement in our marriage to try to get get us and keep us on the right course. But do you know what he told me? He told me that there is an epidemic 
of young teenagers and young men that cannot even perform with a girl, woman, whatever, in their relationship with their significant other or their girlfriend. There is an epidemic of them that cannot even keep it erect because they are so used to self-sexing and looking at pornography. You guys, that is a problem. That is a problem. When this thing says that there are no bad things that can happen from masturbating, yes, there is. Go back and look at my pornography podcast. I have a lot of links in the show notes about scientifically, neurologically, what addiction does to your brain. Addiction to pornography is no different than addiction to heroin and cocaine. It does the same thing to your brain that drugs do. And then you've got withdrawals from it, just like you have withdrawals from drugs as well. You guys, this stuff is real. These young men are out there jacking off and looking at porn so much and so heavily that when they get into bed with a girl, they can't even keep it up. Because there's a huge difference between looking at a screen and flipping through a million images. I mean, on the internet and on your phone, for goodness sake, you have everything you could possibly want to feed that hunger and that need for something more. Alcoholics need more alcohol eventually or they don't get the same effect, right? Drug addicts need more drugs or they don't get the same effect. They got to keep one upping it. It's the same thing with pornography and masturbating. Pretty soon, regular sex isn't enough, right? So you click a button and boom, you've got a new image. You don't like the way that girl looks, looks, click a button and you've got another girl. You don't like the size of her breast, click a button, you've got another one with bigger breasts or smaller breasts or whatever your fancy is, right? That is how bad it has gotten. So then you put this same man in a bed with a girl, one girl, one real girl, that, oh, by the way, also needs to be stimulated, and oh, by the way, also needs a little bit of your time and energy as well, but you can't give that to her because you're too busy self-pleasing yourself because that's all you know how to do. And then you get bored with her. You can't just click a button and get a new girl. You can't click a button and have her wearing a different outfit. You can't click a button. It's just, it's fantasy. That's all pornography is, is fantasy. It's not real. So a person is a real life human with blood pumping through their veins. You guys, this is so sad. I don't want my son falling into this trap. I've been in this trap with my husband for 22 years. And don't get me wrong, you guys. I love Joe. Now I'm getting emotional. (laughs) I love that man so much it's disgusting. I wouldn't still be here if I didn't. And and honestly, I don't believe in divorce. I really don't. I've been on the brink so many times because sometimes I get, you know, like Job, right? Like, Lord, I'm crying out to you. I don't know how much more I can take. Why are you doing this to me? What, what did I do? I, I cursed the day I was born, right? What did I do to deserve this? I don't know. Maybe I'm here and maybe he's allowed me to go through these things so that I can share them with somebody out there that's going through it too. And you guys, that is why I am so passionate about the way I am raising my children and the way that I'm raising my son to be a godly man. Because it was bad when I was a teenager, right? 
when Joe and I were growing up, but man, is it bad now. It's bad now, you guys. And my Christian sisters, you know what I'm talking about. You look at the headlines and your heart hurts. Mine does too. And that's for a reason, you guys. These are our babies. These are our children that we pushed out of our vaginas. Hello. They don't belong to the government. They don't belong to the public school system. These are our children. God blessed us with these kids. Don't screw it up. And I'm talking to myself. He trusted us with these babies. And you see parents every day out there wronging their children, letting them think that, oh, you think you're a girl today? Okay, sure. How about we go to the doctor and we start talking about, you know, hormone therapy and maybe exploring the fact that you you really think that you're a girl, even though you were born as a boy. What? No, shame on those parents. It's your job to set that child straight. It's your job to sit down with them and say, no, 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 Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what you're feeling, why you're feeling it. And then let's go to the Bible. Let's see what God has to say about that. You guys don't foster those things because they're false. They're sin and they're straight from the pits of hell. Satan is taking our children from us every day. So this whole topic of puberty and masturbation is so important. It's, it's, I would say it's more important today than it ever has been because of the culture and what they're doing to our children. And our kids are seeing it everywhere. I just posted something on Instagram on my stories. YouTube's got an ad up. It's a questionnaire. Do you think you're gay? Take the quiz. I let Parker watch subscriptions that I've approved of on my, my uh, phone. YouTube channels that I've approved of. But these ads, I have no control over these ads. So my son sees these ads all the time. He sees ads that are so inappropriate and he brings them to me on the regular. Mom, look at this. Mom, can you believe this? Like Parker can identify it so fast it's not even funny. So you guys, we've got to get over being uncomfortable. There's no room for that anymore. There's no room for, oh, I'm just not going to talk about the birds and the bees. Okay, if you don't, somebody else is going to. And they're going to teach them that it's okay for your son to go sleep with another man if that's what he wants. Or your daughter to go sleep with another woman. Or that they can choose their gender on any given day. I'm sorry, the Lord said, I made male and female in his own image. That is God's design. And nobody can ruin that. Nobody can change that, no matter how hard they try. You can go get all the cosmetic surgery you want, but guess what? If you were born a man, you are still a man. You can't change your DNA, homie. I'm sorry, but you can't. Now, these people are are really mentally ill. They really, really do need help. I truly believe that. And I feel like Satan has a hold on them. We talk about porn and addiction and masturbation and all these things. You guys, Satan has a hold on the LGBTQ community. These people are so ensnared. It's so sad. And most of them are depressed, 
suicidal, cut themselves, so unhappy because they're confused and they really need the Lord. But instead, you have this culture that's embracing this lifestyle that they're living as if it's going to make them better. So it was really important for me to, A, make sure Parker understands his body, what he's feeling, what's going to come in the future, everything from his voice changing to growing hair um, to having wet dreams. That's a real thing, you guys, okay? Um, for little boys, I mean, you can look that up. You know, they can ejaculate in their sleep and not even mean to. They're just dreaming and it happens and they wake up and they're like, oh, why are my shorts wet? I don't know what this is. You guys, they need to know what that is so that they're not confused. But it's important for him to know his body and what's to come. It's important for him to understand when he gets an erection, what what he should do with that or what God says he should do with that. And it's important for him to understand God's design for sex so that he knows what all this is. Now, is he ever going to, is he going to be tempted? Yes. And that's the other thing that him and I talked about. He will be tempted over and over and over and over again, but he needs to know what to do with that temptation. And if he succumbs to that temptation, as we all do, God always forgives you guys. And we've talked about the fact and the importance of you don't ask God for forgiveness if your intent is to continue to sin over and over again, right? Like God is always there to forgive, but there's a difference between a heart that asks for forgiveness, knowing that they have the intention of not stopping and a heart that is truly repentful and strives every day to do better. And God knows your heart. You can't be a murderer and be like, oh, Lord, forgive me for murdering that family, knowing you're going to turn around tomorrow and go kill somebody else. There has to be true repentance there. And the Lord knows your heart. I think assuming that there would never be temptation and assuming that, you know, Parker might not ever make a mistake and truly masturbate um, to the point where he ejaculates. I think that that would be um, maybe unrealistic. And I don't know, you guys, we, you know, they don't give us a manual on how to be a parent, right? We, we always say nobody told us how to be a parent. Well, they don't. I mean, you just kind of cross these bridges when you get to them. And unfortunately, your first child is usually the practice child because <laughs> everything you go through with them is truly the first time, right? Well, this is truly the first time with my son, as I only have one son, that we are crossing this bridge of erections and him getting hard-ons. Um, so nobody's taught us how to do this, but I, I, I'm not a man, so I don't know what uh, a man goes through physically. I know what a woman goes through, but not a man. And, um, in addition to our counselor talking to us about the epidemic of what's going on in our culture with pornography and masturbation, he also talked to us about the fact that nowhere has it been scientifically proven that a man has to masturbate or a man has to ejaculate, okay? I mean, you guys think about the monks, right? Think about, um, oh my gosh, was it Paul in the Bible that was like, yo, I uh, wouldn't really advise you to get married. I mean, that's like a road of trouble, but if you do, okay, I'm just saying you're probably better off not getting married, right? So the idea is there that you may not ever have a sexual partner um, and you don't have to have a sexual partner. So society would have you believe, oh, men, men are men. Men have to have that release. Men have to ejaculate. Men have to masturbate. Men, no, the reality is scientifically men do not have to do that. Biblically, men do not have to do that. Okay. That is all flesh, fleshly desire, um, that causes people to think that way. And, um, so 
I don't know if it's realistic to think that Parker would never do that. That's probably actually very unrealistic to think that he wouldn't succumb to that um, at some point in his young life. But it just it's important for him to know that that doesn't make you a bad person. You can ask for forgiveness um, and try to do better. That's the thing, you guys, is, you know, you can either let them think like this website, oh, it's it relieves tension and it feels good and it's normal and it's okay. And what is that going to do? That's going to encourage them and push them down the path of masturbating continuously, probably getting into pornography, which is going to affect any relationships they ever have down the road. Or you can go down the path that says, oh, that's dirty. Don't ever touch yourself. If you touch yourself, you're nasty. You're a filthy sinner. What is that going to do? Because they're going to do it at some point, probably. So what is that going to do? That's going to shame them. That's going to make them go into a dark circle all by themselves and never talk about it, never pray about it, never seek help, nothing. Or you can kind of take what I feel is, you know, the road that I'm taking where, no, we're not supposed to self-sex. The Lord's design for sex is between a husband and a wife. God designed our parts to do what they do so that we can do that in unison with our spouse to be fruitful and multiply. That is God's design for sex. Now, we are all sinners. We all are tempted. So if you make a mistake and you revel in that fleshly desire and that fleshly satisfaction that you have in that moment, you can ask for forgiveness and you can strive every day to do better. But the goal and the idea is to not do that. You guys, this website talking about people masturbating multiple times a day, is that really what you want your son doing? No. We are supposed to be glorifying God in all that we do. Are you glorifying God when you masturbate? No. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous right? So I think that there's one extreme or the other, and both extremes are wrong. Um, There has to be that middle ground where you're teaching them right from wrong. But if you fall into that temptation, this is what you do. And knowing what to do with it in a godly and biblical way. When talking to your children about puberty, masturbation, sex, all of these awkward topics. You guys, you know your children best. There is no magic number, magic age. You know your children. Um, And you can kind of tell when things physically start to happen with their body or they start asking questions or maybe somebody at school or on the bus told them something and they're confused. I mean, you know your kids, so you know when it's best to bring up these conversations with them. I'm just encouraging you to have those conversations with them. If the door opens, that's the Lord opening that opportunity for you. And I'm encouraging you to take a deep breath, say a little prayer, and cease that opportunity to be your child's teacher. Because that is what the Lord has called us to do. And more now than ever, strong biblical principles are needed in our young children. I wanted to read you guys a few verses, um, and I won't, you know, go into each one like describing it. You guys can really see uh, here for yourselves, but I just wanted to read some of the verses from the Bible that I feel support my stance on the fact that masturbating um, is, is not God's design for sex. Now, does the Bible straight up address the topic of masturbation? No, it doesn't. I've never once seen the word masturbation anywhere in the Bible, but there are plenty of verses that I would take from them that God is saying, 
this is not something that we are to do on our own. This is something between the husband and the wife. Um, and we're to refrain from the fleshly desires and the sinful desires of our heart. So Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immortality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because there are improper for God's holy people. 1 Corinthians 6.18 Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Colossians 3.5 Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immortality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-4 For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immortality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. You guys, that's, I am going to say something about this one because that's one thing with this whole new sex ed curriculum that the public school system is pushing. And I won't even call it sexual education. It's sexual indoctrination. That's what it is. It's, there's no more talk about abstinence. There's no more talk about waiting until you get married. That is a, that is a foreign term in our country or all around the world, right? Whatever happened to abstinence? Whatever happened to saving yourself for marriage, that was God's design. This verse right here is telling you to abstain from sexual immortality. Excuse me, immorality. Forgive me, I said that wrong. Um, when you're masturbating, you're not thinking pure thoughts. You're thinking sexual, fleshly thoughts. And a lot of times, most of the time, people aren't just masturbating to nothing. They're looking at pornography. So the Lord is saying, abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. It's not honorable and holy to be masturbating all day. That's not honoring the Lord. You guys, sex is something that is beautiful, created by God for a reason. And the world has taken the act of sex and everything with our bodies and our anatomy and turned it into something that is so filthy and disgusting and vile when that was not God's design for sex. So I think going into these conversations with our children, we have to remind them that the design of sex is beautiful. And this was given to us. It's a gift from God. It really is. And this isn't to be a prude um, in this conversation and make it sound like, oh, you can never have enjoyment. No, God gave us sex and gave us the ability to enjoy sex for a reason. So I think when we're talking with our children, reminding them of that and giving them something to look forward to um, when they get older and they get married and within the beautiful marriage bed, there is enjoyment there, but there's a time and a place for these things. And the way the culture would have us see it is not in God's design. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. 
Exodus 20:17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is talking about lust, right? Pornography and masturbation, all of that goes hand in hand. Matthew 5:28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. Job 31:1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So really quickly talking about um, sexual activity is to be within marriage, okay? Genesis 1.22, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. Genesis 2.24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Hebrews 13. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. Now, Satan finds a way to pervert sex, whether you're single or you're married. Um, same thing with masturbation. Acts 13.10 says, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do, you guys, is supposed to be to glorify the Lord. We are not glorifying the Lord when we're masturbating and looking at pornography. Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You guys, when you have an addiction, you are in bondage and you're a slave to that addiction and that is dangerous because the Lord says you cannot serve two masters at once and we are only supposed to be serving the Lord, right? John 8.34 says, Jesus says this, very, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I don't want to be a slave to pornography, you guys. I don't want to be a slave to masturbation. My heart is on a constant mend of being married to a man that has been enslaved in that lifestyle. And I don't want my son to fall down the same trap. Now, I had a, a very in-depth conversation with Joe about this, um, about his pornography, his masturbation, when these things started for him. And he said that he remembers, um, you know, coming across magazines or something when he was about Parker's age. Uh, and, and we talked about that and the things that he did and, you know, the first time that he started touching himself. And the one thing, you guys, that just stuck out in my brain the whole time Joe shared this with me was how he kept everything a secret. He didn't want his mom to know what he was doing. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed of it. You guys, that is exactly what Satan wants. And if you don't take anything else away from this show today, I want you to remember that Satan loves to make people think that they're all alone. And he loves to shame people and make them feel dirty and terrible and, you know, unsavable. That's what Satan wants us to believe. But we know that that's not true. So we need to make sure that our children know that that's not true. Their bodies are going to be changing at a rapid pace, you guys. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's happening so fast. 
Parker is almost as tall as me. His shoulders are broadening out. His cheekbones are changing. He's getting like this face of a young man and not my little fat cheek toddler boy, right? My mama heart is, is happy but sad at the same time. And all these other changes are happening. He needs to know what's going to happen and he needs to know what to do with that. And it all has to come from a biblical place. So I'm going to link the um, pornography podcast that I did in the show notes. If you guys want to check that out um, and, and listen to mine and Joe's story, I really hope that that offers encouragement to you. If that's something that you or your spouse struggle with, or maybe someone you know struggles with that, maybe you could share that podcast with them. And then I'm also going to link the book that I told you guys about. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Um, for children. And it's a way to open up the conversation about pornography. And if you guys are letting your kids play on your smartphones and your TVs without filters and you're not supervising them, they are seeing things that are inappropriate. They are. That's just a fact. They are. (laughs) So please do not be naive and think that they're not seeing things. There's no way. This stuff is on the billboards. There's magazines in the grocery store lines, you guys. It is everywhere. So we have our work cut out for us moms. We have to combat this disgusting, wicked society. And we do that with the Bible, okay? We do that with the Bible. We do the hard thing. And we will be much better off for it. And so will our children. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I really appreciate you and enjoy all the time that I get to spend with you guys here sharing my thoughts on some of these tough topics. If you want to reach out to me on a personal level, you can email me at blessedandbeautifulhomestead at gmail.com. I always reply to my messages there. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at blessedandbeautifulhomestead. You can find me there as well. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel, you guys. Again, blessed and beautiful homestead, keeping it all simple. All right. Until next time, I will see you guys soon. And I hope you have a very blessed week.